You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Hello, hello. Guten Morgen. Bomb GI. I'm, uh, I'm sitting by the fire. Turned all the lights down. It's very exciting. Yeah, it's cool. You, it's a GIF, so it's um, like moving. You know, normally it's static background, but oh, yeah. uh, I think it's uh, it's perfect for today's uh, little fireside chat we got. Yeah. Are we gonna have anyone else at the fire with us today? I think I think he's coming. I think he's, uh, <laughs> he's coming in here. I think it's. I think it's uh, I'll tell you. I don't, I've probably said it before, but. We used to at the radio show. I mean, when that that little promo was almost just like that. Uh, I mean, he'd come flying in, and sometimes he would be late. Then I have to act like he was there the whole time, and I just kept talking. But now you can see, so I can't cover for him now. But he was always a little time time challenged. So it's snowing. It's snowing out there in uh, Minnesota. You're gonna have a white Christmas. You know, we had some flurries, but yeah, it is. It's uh, we're definitely gonna have a white Christmas, which is. Which is kind of nice. I was hoping for another melt instead of some more rain. I mean, because the lake, the lakes are so far down right now. Uh, just to kind of hopefully next spring get it a little back to somewhat normal. We live on we live on Prior Lake, and I would say it's almost close to two feet low. So a nice low. little bridge marker that uh, shows where the water used to be, and I mean that's not what it was at the beginning but it's uh it's gone down quite a bit you've, you've definitely found out which is a good thing actually that uh you find out kind of what kind of beachfront you have and uh you know, whether it dries up or if you need extra dock space or whatever but you're gonna if you're out buying it's it's a really good time to be able to know exactly what you're getting hey did you see this you you um had to leave a little early last week but at the end look what andy did don't let me go without doing my drying Oh, you got a drying. Yeah. So we had a client event last last weekend. We did a contest where whoever I pull out of this basket, $500. And we put all the people that followed the rules of the contest into the basket. You let me know when you're ready for me to draw. Okay, it's above Do my head, job. right? Clean hands. No way to know what's in here. Okay. Here we go. Out of the basket. Up to the camera. What does it say? Jamie Smith, Smith, congratulations. You just won $500. Woo Way to go, Jamie. That's awesome. Some great clients of mine. I, uh, I'm uh, very excited for her. She, uh, you know, the kids and she referred me this year out to another client as well. So what a nice way to end the season. Thank you for the referral, by the way, her brother. And that was a real nice, nice way to say thank you to me too. So Jamie Smith, our $500 winner. Woo! That's pretty cool. What was that? Yeah, I know. He just, at the end, he started, uh, he said, let me do my drawing. I was like, oh, cool. Hey, the one thing we didn't see is what was in that bowl. I mean, he just pulled out the one name. I never saw extra names in there. <laughs> he's, he's a little sleight of hand. You got to watch him. So. <laughs> I think last week we were talking about how the market uh, is, uh, you're still doing things like during the holidays. And that was like super rare 
in the in the past? Is it still pretty hot? Like people are seeing things, showing homes. Well, I'll tell you what. Historically, uh, kind of the Thanksgiving to New Year's Eve is pretty slow, and uh, this year is uh, actually last year wasn't so bad, but this year is uh, very interesting, uh, different, one hundred percent different uh, experience, and it all has to do with inventory. And I think when we talk about the market, inventory is the thing that we have to talk about. Because you can sit and say interest rates are going up, but if there's a lot of buyers and not much to buy, they're still going to buy it. And I don't think those interest rates are going to pop up too much. Um, but as long as this, this inventory stays low, it's uh, it's a feeding frenzy. I've had uh, the opportunity to have other people that I know I'm going to sell and have done some one-time showings. And um, in the last two weeks, we had three uh, show happening three sales happen off market just because trying to uh, put people together with what they're, they're looking for. And I think it's interesting because people are kind of pushing it like, Hey, there's nothing else available. I'm going to grab it and I'll have to end up paying for it. Uh, and, and they do. And so it's a very interesting time. I'm, I'm telling you, if, if you're listening to this and you are thinking about maybe selling and doing it in the spring, um, all of our, all of the sales that have happened have been, hey, this is what we'll take, and this is when we would close. Otherwise, we're just going to wait until spring. And they've gotten exactly what they've asked for and uh, the closing date that they want. So I, if if you're thinking about it, contact. I mean, hopefully I'm your realtor or if Andy's your realtor or whoever is, contact them because there's a, there's a lot of opportunity out there right now. And we we haven't had that before. It just It's just a... It's just it's it's a crazy uh, type market, and I shouldn't I shouldn't say that. I mean, we had I mean the market was crazy during COVID, and then all of a sudden it kind of got a little stale, you know, like it was just kind of like holding in there, and things were sitting on the market for a little while and not quite selling. Um, if they, if a house has challenges, there's going to be um, some challenges in selling it, but uh, if it's a turnkey house. Uh, it's still going really well. We're not getting as many showings, but the people that are looking are ready to attack and they're not going to lose out. Yeah, speaking about uh, the, the interesting year in real estate, this is a cool article about um, weird and interesting homes in, in Minnesota this year. So we got um, this year in wow. weird and or expensive Minnesota real estate. So what do we all got? We got... Uh, the Flintstone home. What is this? Uh, what a dome home. It does kind of feel like the old Flintstone home. That's it. It's in Duluth. What, what does it say about it? Let's see it. One second. <clears throat> it's shameful how much joy writing Yaba Daba dome home brought me. Where else in the Twin Cities media you getting that folk folks? This unique listing provided a crash course in Duluth history. So this guy, RIP George Hovland, in the architectural history of monolithic dome homes. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what. I would say even five years and earlier, probably three years and earlier, you'd never see, this thing would never sell. And I think nowadays people are, looking more at this people have they have more money uh everyone says that this pandemic has killed everything but it's not true i mean people are selling out companies uh, they have they have more money 
and buying different things like this. And with the whole Airbnb and that VRBO and all of that stuff, these things become really popular where it's be like where you would think from a from a buyer standpoint, you know, it'd probably be cool. I mean, if we had that, we could maybe go up and hang out there. But now it's like, you know what? A lot of other people would probably hang out up there. Let's let's grab this and then we can be able to uh, use it ourselves and then uh, rent it out. I mean, we're seeing that a lot with uh, like toys from RVs, um, sprinter vans, things like that, where people are, hey, I really want them. They would really kind of doubt it, but now you can rent them out for so much money that you're, you're kind of um, justifying the buy. And I think a house like that would, would do that. You said there was a Stillwater one there. I thought it was yeah, yeah. I want to make a comment on that because I've stayed in plenty of weird Airbnbs and in, in unique locations. The one I'm at right now is is pretty wicked. But uh, you're exactly right. People are willing to pay high price for a two three day at a weird funky home like this because yeah. it's it's not just about um, somewhere to stay. It's an experience. And these are like really really popular on Airbnb because especially now with Instagram, like the photo shoots in here and the, and the travel um, influencers, this is what they soak up and gets a lot of content. So things like these are actually a really good investment for Airbnb from what I've seen in the past one, two years, like the tree houses, the, the igloo homes, the, all that kind of stuff is like super, super popular. And I mean, you're getting in some places, you know, hundred dollars a night for something like this, or, or even like a one little shack, on uh, on the beach is going for a lot of money because it's it's an experience. It's not just a, a place to stay like a hotel. Well, I think uh, something like this too, for from a marketing perspective, that you price this one super high. And I, I don't know if you do this, but when I I'm looking at stuff and I want something, I want something that's good. I look at the price, and that then I determine from that price uh, that I think that's that's like a, a benefit. Or, or a good thing because it costs more, so it must be better. And I think in, in something like this, that would be a really good idea to be able to push that and then maybe have some specials out there. But it shows like, hey, you know what? This is $375 a night. You know, we're doing a 50% special at this time of the year. And it's almost like in the summer or in the winter when it's bad times, people take advantage of, you know, half price, which is really probably you know, time price and a half what you'd normally even get. So I think you can play that and create the value yourself and exactly the image that you're talking about. So those things are interesting and, and people are taking advantage of those. And like you said, under, understanding the social media and the social influencers uh, and what they're doing and uh, hanging out there, you get one of them to do it and give it to them for free. And then they start, you know, taking pictures of it all of a sudden, it's bang, bang, bang. There's um, there's a famous place in uh, Florence, in Italy, and there's this huge balcony, and it overlooks uh, the Domo. And I stayed there, what, two years ago? And uh, it was like 40 euros I got it for. And then all of a sudden, the influencers got a hold of it. And I've seen that same balcony on so many videos and like uh, the Instagram reels. And uh, I got the number of the lady who owns it. And um, so I could do a deal off Airbnb in the future. And she says now it's like getting 100, 150 euros easy every night. You know, and I paid 40 euros, but the, the influencers got a hold of it and everyone wants to stay there. So basically quadrupled. I mean, yeah. just raised it up 400%. And she pays, she pays, um, someone owns it and she rents it. I think she rents it for 1300 euros a month. 
and then she's making a hundred euros a, a night on it. Oh, jeez, that's awesome. Okay, All we right. got. Um, what about this bad boy? Taxidermy one in Cold Spring. You like uh, hunting? Wow, look at that on the water there. Is that a real? That's a real. That's real, right? The giraffe and stuff. It's gotta be. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, typically, we'll we'll go into houses and. Um, for two purposes, you don't really want all of these animals around unless you're going to maybe uh, market it like this to the exact right buyer. They'll spend the most money. But mostly when you have animals and dead animals and put them on the walls and have them all, uh, it does one of two things. Some people uh, get very offended by it and the other people love it and they don't look at the house. They just look at the animals. And so it kind of goes both ways. And sometimes you just don't want to distract them with that because I mean, on this, it's a you, you saw what I saw. I saw the lake in the background, but everyone else would have seen the the giraffe and the cougars and the alligators uh, and the zebras uh, on this picture, and maybe would have dismissed it. But I'm looking at just because I do it every day, and it's what I do. But I'm looking at this is a beautiful lake um, lodge uh, on some water. Cold Springs not too far out. Again, uh, VRBO type opportunity, cabin, and then uh, send it out to people. But you also got to remember that the house ain't going to quite look like that uh, when you purchase it because they're not going to leave uh, that trophy uh, stuff. So, It seems like with these weird, funky homes that you just have to find the right buyer. Otherwise, you're kind of screwed, huh? Yeah, but, you know, from an agent standpoint, too, you really need to, um, you re you really need, that's interesting, that is, there are elephant feet on that bar, uh, Ludwig said that, but um, from an agent standpoint, that's how you get the most money, is be able to find the right buyer, and you have to, your seller needs to know, though, that if we're going to go, if we're going to, you know, cast this net out there, and that net becomes like this big because we're going super after one person because we're trying to get more money. It just might take longer in, in which to be able to get it. But you also have to remember that one person that really wants it. And if you're sitting out there for, um, you know, three years uh, on a listing, which I've seen before, you know, the one person that wants it is going to come in and say, well, geez, it's sad for three years. I don't really want to pay that for it. I want it. But I'm going to go down. So you've got to kind of be in it for the long haul to uh, market places like this, especially if, if you do this. Now, I don't know, Nick, in the article, did it say it's sold? No, it's still for sale. It's still for sale. Yeah. The so, Jumbo Death Arc is still for sale. Yeah. And, and that's the, and, and that is the thing that it, it, it starts, it can start getting stale. But again, the right person does it. Maybe, you know, and a lot of times what happens on this is that they switch agents from agent to agent and agents have different opinions of what they think will sell. And then eventually one of them will get it right and then it sells. So it's a, it's kind of a hit and miss for a realtor. I was going to say too, though. Yeah. If someone really likes it, they'll buy it. But if they see that no one else has been buying it, why won't they just lowball it too? Even if they really want it. That's what they'll do. But eventually they'll pay for it <laughs> because they want it. And you just got to be able to hang tight and hold in there. Now, this one is super cool. The Stillwater one, the Alhambra, because uh, the more I was in Granada this uh, past summer, it's that's where the famous Alhambra is. And it is wicked. I should have um, 
put some videos up from it, but just the Moorish Spanish kind of architecture is is really trippy. Well, that looks like, I mean, just that room alone, I think it said 1.34 million. I don't think you could replicate that room for 1.34 million. That's amazing. Yeah. That is that is really neat. And that and I think that's the thing with the market, which I think is interesting right now. Oh, there's another elephant. Um, but I think what the interesting thing is now is that there's people that have that disposable income now. And I think that's what we have to, as agents, we always look at this. Well, there's no comps. And how are we going to make it worth what the next one's worth? The person that's going to buy this is probably not going to have a problem with uh, appraisals. They've probably got enough money to be able to, it's kind of a, um, a fun buy versus uh, being, a, being a smart buy instead. And I think that's what you have to, you, you might have to market this differently and go in different magazines where someone that's not even looking for this, all of a sudden they find it. And it might be, um, you know, I, I really like the idea of those, that social influencer type thing, because the more it can get out there, the more it's exciting. And, uh, and almost, I suppose they pay people. I watched that uh, movie the other night and it kind of gave me uh, some of this inspiration. Do you remember it was called Fire, 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 where this guy was having this unbelievable party with all these models on an island and he flew them out there and they were going to have a band and everything? Oh, the Netflix special. Yeah, yeah. And then long story short, I mean, it, it didn't work out for this guy, but they flew in and spent all these money on these social influencers and everyone just came. They were paying five, ten thousand $10,000 a ticket to be able to stay on this unbelievable island. Well, it turned out to be a... Uh, an island off a big piece of land that uh, you could get there by car and then you had to stay in a tent and, and it, the concert never happened. This guy's getting sued forever, but it just kind of showed the power of what social media really can do. And that and these, all these people look like just normal, normal people that weren't really like, Hey, five or 10,000 is no big deal. They weren't that type of people. And so that's where you, you start trying to market uh, and do things like this in there. So. Well, this also is right here. If you're having a party, this is the ultimate place. And I think um, the last two years, all the staycations or people are just trying to go somewhere, like renting out like a cool thing like this and having um, like a Gatsby theme party or you have to dress up like your your Moorish, uh, their old style would be super um, neat. But I mean, yeah, you could, I mean, you could rent this for 10 grand for the weekend for sure, right? Yeah, oh, for sure. You get a company in there, but then, you know, there's ordinances and rentals and all that kind of stuff that uh, kind of play into it. And I don't know exactly where this one is. It says it's in Stillwater, but I'm sure uh, a lot of these towns now have, you know, if you're going to rent it out, you're going to rent it for at least a month or two. But there's ways in which to be able to play around that too. And not that you're playing around it, but you're literally signing a two-month lease for these people. And they have it for two months. They're going to pay a lot more, but something like this to make it spectacular, they're going to do it. I mean, people go to Vegas and rent out huge restaurants for a couple million dollars for a night. <laughs> so yeah. you do something like this, that'd be kind of fun for a company around here. Yeah, one point three four. Huh? Yeah, that's not. That's just not that much. So it's always kind wild of star. Yeah, it's always kind of fun with uh, like pro athletes and stuff to be able to see their houses uh, on here. So that's Ryan Suter's place uh, in Edina. So 
you can't, I don't know if you can say, but some of your past clients, you've dealt with these professional athletes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I have, and uh, I don't really talk, talk about it, but um, it's, I, I will say this. Um, it's very interesting working with them because I think what you find out is everyone puts them on this high pedestal and they're just great people. They're just nice people, good people, especially uh, the hockey players. Hockey players are super neat. Uh, um, Nick, when we moved to Minnetonka, we had a professional hockey player rent our house and he rented it for the summer and because uh, he was doing some camps up here. Just, a, I mean, just super people, really nice. So um, kind of fun. For five million. Oh, it's, it's in Edina. Okay. Yeah, five million for ten thousand square feet. I mean, obviously you don't in Edina you don't get that much land typically. This oh, this is that uh that's uh in Pine City, that sanitarium. Um uh That's what it yeah. This is uh, really interesting. I know there's a little story uh, behind this and that I think it was done for the Spanish flu, almost like a, a pandemic that we're going through. They, were put, they put people in these all over the United States. And I think it opened up right before World War I and closed before World War II. And the, it's been basically vacant um, for years. I don't, does it say it in here? Well, this is a nice one. You got some nice little swearing on here. Um, Yeah. Oh, it's tuberculosis. Okay. So where they, we, they put people away, but this is on, I mean, it's on some lake water and look at that price, hundred grand. Yeah. You, know, I, you said a lot, lots of, uh, lots of repairs and stuff you have to do though. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that thing's filled with asbestos and but I tell you what, you look at some of those and you deal with maybe the governmental authority, you might be able to get them to do a lot of that, even if you're going to restore it or do something kind of fun with it. Um, and again, nowadays it, it could be kind of fun. And if it's truly haunted, and a lot of people believe in that. And I'll tell you what, I 100% was in a, in a haunted house. It was, I told you I sold it and the lady came in and she said they were friendly ghosts. And that's why she bought it. And, um, and it's just kind of like, it's crazy. I've heard other stories from realtors where they've been walking and they like gotten, they felt like they got pushed down. Um, it's just, it's kind of crazy, but they're saying, I know a lot of people, um, I mean, they were, they were put there to really die. So they wouldn't infect other people. So, um, so go back on your uh, government point, like you can get help from the government. There was that place in, in Bologna in Italy where these old villas on the farmyard, like 20 minutes outside the city center, the government was doing like crazy matching on like redoing the inside or 50% on the facade, like these historical buildings, you can get some, some good deals from um, the government helping you out. Yeah. You just need to make it make sense to them and why it's good, you know, like, okay, so this one's in Pine city. I mean, this could become kind of become a little attraction for the city to draw people in uh, for other businesses. And so it's really kind of, you got to just sell them and make it, show them how it's going to be uh, rather than an abandoned place where teenagers can go and uh, do drugs. We're going to turn it into something uh, a lot better. And uh, it's going to be a kind of a cozy little uh, bed and breakfast type place. 
and it's going to bring you know so many visitors here and and put Pine City on the map. So it's uh, I don't know that one's that one's kind of really interesting to me. I'm going to look into that thing. How long does that take though with the government to sell them on that? I mean, does that take a lot there. of? We'll do our broadcast from there. How, how long does that take though to like to make that deal with the government? Aren't they pretty slow? Or I mean, it depends on what county that they would be like. Oh, I like your idea. Let's do it. Well, I assume they own it. Um, the city, uh, the city would own that, and uh, they probably thought about it. They probably could make a decision somewhat quick in what they're willing to do, and I'm sure there have been discussions about it. Uh, but you never know. Okay. But if you can find old videos and stuff of that, and kind of restore it back to what it was, and then use those videos as a, kind of a promotion, it'd be kind of cool. So this is an oddly located house in Minneapolis. Our reporting on this maroon single-family home made national unattributed headlines. The oddball home, which many compared to a pre-elevated one from Pixar's Up, could still be yours for 190000 So where is this? On the strip of land? Gosh, it's right on the freeway. It's right between two roads. Um, there's industrial off to the left. I don't know where that is. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, quite interesting. Um I wonder if that, <laughs> I have no idea where this is, but you, I, I'm surprised it's still there. They probably just couldn't make the, the deal or the city couldn't make the deal and bought out everyone else. And these were the holdout people and they they just wouldn't go. And they're like, well, fine, just keep it there then. Here's what you got and uh, we move on. Because there's things like called eminent domain where if it's for the greater good, they'll come in and they say, hey, we, we got to move your place. I'm dealing with it right now on a house where they're going to take a uh, 30-foot easement off of this house, you know, which is going to hurt it. And so now they're negotiating right now how much money they're actually going to get and or what they're going to do for them. So they might add trees or whatever. And so in this case, it, um, they probably just couldn't get the deal done. I'm not familiar with it, but I think it's kind of interesting. I think it'd be a cool little uh, college home, maybe if they got parking and you can have all your your games out here and you're in an interesting location. Yeah, yeah, it could be kind of it could kind of be fun. It's like again, it's like all of it, and uh, again, it's kind of a unique thing in which to be able to do. And, and with social media, where you can market it so many different ways now, it uh, it could be a it could be a fun little thing. Chris Lindell has to unload 160 properties from Zillow's doomed homebuyer program. So Lindell made a deal with Zillow. Yeah. News of yeah. Zillow offers going belly up listed no small amount of internet. Can't pronounce that word. Yeah. You want to yeah. read this? Yeah. I think it, it basically um, what happened is when they stopped their program, they still had inventory. Um, I think that's clickbait uh, uh, there, uh, that thing, but, I don't know if it's, uh, they're not like doomed houses, but there are houses that Zillow purchased and now they're reselling again. Um, and I don't know the whole story and what uh, how what, what their deal was with Zillow, but um, I know, I think they were part of the program that would identify the houses uh, and talk to the people that were willing to sell to Zillow and that uh, they took care of them and then ended up reselling them. 
And it was kind of nifty. I mean, he had that guaranteed program well before Zillow did. And uh, all of a sudden, they probably came into our market and said, you know what, you're the guy that's been doing this, and we're going to have you do it. So, um, you know, everyone can make fun of those signs all you want, but uh, yeah, obviously, it worked. From, uh, some good sales. Yep. Um, 167 properties just in Minnesota. Is that a lot Zillow had? I mean, Minnesota's not like probably their biggest markets too. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what was happening, Nick, is that a lot of these companies, these guaranteed sale companies were fighting against each other. Open door, uh, Zillow, um, all of these different companies. And I think what happened was they started paying too much for them and people weren't really, I mean, for the convenience factor, it wasn't a bad deal in which to be able to take well in, in doing that. And then they're like, well, geez, we can't put that much money into it. So they kind of half asked what they did and how they fixed them up. And then again, if the house is good, it's going to, it's going to be good. But if it's not good, that house, that house will give it. And I think to Zillow, um, miscalculated buying properties for too much, uh, didn't, didn't take into account that, uh, the labor force is, is is tough to be able to get to fix up the place and then if you do it half-assed you're going to get not a very good return and i think there was too many of those and they saw it coming and they're like we gotta we gotta stop so how about this former girl scout lodge as a single family home wow i think this goes into everything that we've been talking about you know that would be super cool i mean you know who i would go after on that i would go after that with a, a company and tell them that you know retreats retreat for your company and you guys go up there and you do your things or you send your uh, employees up there uh, i've got a, some people i work with that are really progressive and um, right now they're they're working on securing um, a property that they can house their employees with and give them housing like valley fair did you know these kids yeah. would come in from all over the world they pay them a little less, but they give them all their housing. And it's the same thing to try to attract people. So it, it's more factory kind of uh, industrial type work. But uh, to be able to have that, I mean, you, you'll definitely shine. So what's the story here? So no buyer has emerged yet uh, to take that on. I wonder where that is. I wonder where that is. I'm going to have to try to find that one. So 13,000 square feet. You know, the biggest, the biggest issue with these houses are? maintenance maintenance exactly i mean that's a that's a whole cedar looking place and um that a lot of maintenance and taking care of the grounds and stuff like that so Ooh, most expensive okay it's a different article i think most expensive minnesota homes sold in 2021 yeah we want to buy a liquor store and uh what is it yeah, I think, the, might be I think the most expensive one this year was like 15 million that sold. And now you got to you got to keep in mind that typically new construction sales aren't put into the multiple listing service, so we don't get that. Um, and there's many more that have sold for over 15 million. I mean, go look on Lake Minnetonka, and you'll see that there's houses that have to be at least 50 million um, that are being built right now. What about? Um... Pillsbury, that one ever sell? Wasn't that on there for a lot of money? That sold a while ago. Yeah, they just kind of split it up and built different houses on it. So there's one of them that that's on there that's uh, well, 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 well over fifty million right now. So you wanna 
by the liquor store in Minneapolis for a million? No, thank you. I have a fourplex that I'll sell in Minneapolis too for anyone who wants it. But uh, yeah, no, that's uh, um, uh, Liquor Lyles. Bring it back to life. I don't even know Liquor Lyles. Hennepin. Hennepin oh yeah, Hennepin 20, 20th and Hennepin, yeah. You're not too um, bullish on uh, Minneapolis Twin City real estate? Nope. And, and that just because... Um, I'll tell you what, when you when you when you're when you're caught up in it during this whole thing in, in the rental uh, world and the the whole talk about uh, trying to tell us what we can and can't charge and uh, if the tenants have to pay or not pay and then the, the landlord just gets stuck with it. It's wrong. It's wrong. And uh, there's people that are willing to do it. And I think typically when you uh, do what they're doing. I mean, I've got a great example of it. We owned a, an apartment building in Bloomington and we, we allowed section eight. And so in allowing section eight is that, um, it, it, and on its, I mean, it's a good program. It, it helps people, uh, to be able to get in and all everything, but it's one of those things that we ended up getting higher rent than maybe we should have. We had the same exact building as the people right next door. Our building ended up selling for 400,000 more. And it was really, um, hey, this is how much the rent is. This is what it's going to be. This is what we'll pay you. But we are guaranteed the rent from them. And so an investor looks at it and says, hey, we'll, we'll pay you based on what you're getting for rent. The one next door was a lot nicer. Um, and they were kind of, you know, had different rents. They weren't getting quite as much as us. But if they just would have taken Section 8, they probably would have gotten 400000 more than us. So I don't know. I just think... Uh, you know, this whole thing where they're saying they're, they're going to rent's going to be this price and, and tell you what you can and can't do. It's just I don't want to play in that that arena. So I'm going to be actually I'm going to be selling my last my last rental property. We had 61 units at one time and I'm getting rid of the last one. But I'm going to actually move it into uh, Florida real estate. So stay tuned. Maybe you have something to rent down there. Really? Yeah. OK, we got. uh this little uh, shakedown of what happened the last 12 months. So let's get into this bad boy. Um, yeah, this is from November to November. Um, so year over year. So what are we? Uh, we are up. I mean, this is, again, through November. So we're up a little on new listings. Uh, up, I mean, 3,000 more closed sales than what we had last year. And that it kind of it feels like that. Uh, look at that median sale price. I mean, in a year. So if you purchase this year, I mean, based on this, you went up about $35,000 from uh, last year till this year. So if you purchase in 2020, and that's and that's true. Um, we have many cases of people making 100 to 250 in the last two years uh, on their house. Uh, average sale price, isn't that crazy? I mean, it used to be like 250 and now it's what, 393 Um Square footage price, I think, is the biggest misnomer out there. Um, they use it a lot on commercial, but uh, on residential, it's what you put in that square footage is, is how much you get. But I, I guess if you do it over a, a bunch of things, uh, like a bunch of different houses, it shakes out. But I don't do a lot of pricing based on square footage. Uh, how about that uh, percent of original listing price received? 
uh, since rolling 12 months or 20 to 2021, in 2021, 101.9% of the list price. Every, I mean, average, every house sold for more than it was listed at. Every house. Every, well, it, when you put them all together, yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of houses that would sell for 100000 over. So, and I don't know if this, what is that percent of original list price received? Okay, does not account for seller concessions. So that's, that is a big thing. Um, and what that means is, and a lot of people get confused about this. What that means is someone buys a house for 300000 It's listed at two ninety nine nine. And they pay three hundred and ten thousand for it, but they want the seller to pay their buyer closing costs of ten thousand. So in this thing, it would say, "Hey, that house sold for three ten. But in reality, they just financed their closing costs. It would have only sold for three hundred. So you add all those in. That's probably why you get the hundred and two percent of every uh, sale price. And then uh, let's see, go up a little. Those graphs mean nothing. Um, to be months of supply inventory. So in 2020, uh, a month and a half, uh, a month, a month inventory uh, uh, right now. Typically um, in, a, in, a, in an even market where it's a buyer and seller market, you usually want that inventory in the five to six months. So that's the thing. And that's, that's, that is what is controlling our market is that. Is inventory. inventory is so low. There's just not much out there. And then when people are doing is when things come on, they're like, well, nothing else is going to come on. Let's grab it. So I think a lot of people are taking things that maybe they don't really want, uh, but they have to do it to be able to get something because they're waiting or they're losing. The good ones come on and there's 20 people fighting for them and you don't get it. So you have to grab something. And I think that's also why uh, the market time, which is says 28 days, so those houses that aren't quite um, put together perfectly or new carpet or, you know, more turnkey. And when they're turnkey, and here's kind of the, the, the story on that, is that there's a lot of people that have the money to be able to purchase a house as, for, as far as a down payment. There's not a lot of people that have the money to purchase a house with a down payment and then put a lot more money into it to fix it up. But they could finance it. So the idea is, is, let's put another 10 grand into this house. So we might get 30 more. So if I put new carpet in, I'm going to open my buyer pool up because they're going to be like, hey, it's turnkey. I have to finance it. Geez, for 50000 more, that's only about $150 more a month. We're basically financing all of this stuff that we would have to do anyways at 3% interest rate. And so that's what's happening. And that's why wouldn't we, the, you know, and why is HGTV out there? Uh, in Bravo and all these shows that show it, when you fix the place up, people can't envision. They don't know how to do things and they don't have the money to do them typically. So if you do it for them, they will pay for it. So. What about this? Yeah, look at that. There, there you go. You look at the so change in median sale price from year to private year. Yeah, look at that. Um, I remember that 2008 when it just started shrinking and then we had a ton of foreclosures. That's what was happening. All were getting foreclosed on. Now people were starting to buy those foreclosures up. It took a little, little dip again in 2011 and 12 because the foreclosures were gone. So now we're trying to get back to the normal market. And then all of a sudden, 
went up again. I mean, this is, this is what it does. It's uh, it's an interesting thing. And if you if you hold out and hang on, it, it'll typically work out for you uh, in the real estate game. And trying to predict it and all of that kind of stuff is it's really hard. I mean, it's like now people are like, well, it's going to bubble, it's going to bust, and we're not going to be able to do this or that. The thing is that people don't keep in mind is these interest rates and what your payment is right now. Your payment is so low and there's no rentals out there. And when the market goes bad, people want rentals. And when you get rentals um, and you have a low payment, someone's going to pay for it. So, I mean, you just heard, I mean, I just sold, gosh, what was it? Um, it was like a million dollar house. Um, and they had like a $700,000 mortgage on it. And their principal interest was only like $2,000. And it's just like, what? I mean, I mean, their payment was so low versus what um, what, what it used to be. And it's just, even like from a realtor standpoint, it's just kind of like, whoa, I, you can't, uh, it, it's hard to even fathom because you're, you're so used to that payment being $4,500 a month. You know, and now people that are living in million dollar houses that's sold at one of their places, I mean, their payments are probably lower, depending on when they bought it, lower at this million dollar price point than they were at 400 when they bought that one. Nuts. Story time. What do you, uh, the stories from this, uh, this past year, anything crazy? Oh boy. That's where Andy comes. Where the heck is he, by the way? <laughs> he disappeared. I should check my phone. Um, but uh, anyway, something that, in, in, something that encompasses kind of like how crazy this year was, or something that would kind of like shock you. Boy, I'll tell you, I, I I think what I'll remember about 2021 is um, what you all had to do to be able to get a deal done from a buyer perspective. Um, from a seller perspective, is also very hard too. And I'm and I'm speaking from from an agent point of view, and then I'll speak from a buyer and a seller. But um, you really had sometimes you almost had to lose. This is really weird. You almost had to lose to be able to get the credibility with your buyer, because when you go in and you meet a buyer maybe for the first time, and you're going into a house, and all of a sudden you go in. And you say, well, yeah, I know it's I know it's listed at 350, but we're gonna have to go 410 to be able to get this done. And by the way, you probably can't do an inspection. We'll put a warranty on it, and then you have to guarantee them that if the appraisal's uh, not high enough, that you'll be able to uh, do the money in between to be able to make it like no appraisal. Or maybe we can get your parents to guarantee us that they'll pay it in cash if you can't get the financing. And then all of a sudden, like, what? I mean, it, and so you almost had to lose to be able to get them to know um, that, hey, this is the way it's going right now. And and when you're in the thick of the fire and, uh, and, and knowing what's happening, but people are reading things and hearing things from other people and saying, oh, that's crazy and this is nuts and this and that, sometimes they had to lose to be able to get them to eventually win. And so in some cases, we would be writing offers that we knew that we were, we were going to lose. But it was basically to let them show them that they were going to lose. So it's, it's kind of interesting. The other thing on the on the seller side of it was kind of the opposite. They're hearing 
everyone out there is getting more money for their property. Uh, they, they didn't kind of um, take into account that maybe those houses were turnkey perfect and uh, maybe they listed them a little aggressive. When I say a little aggressive, uh, we had a great example of one that I really think, I mean, our comps came out at like 289.9 and that's what the sold comps were. And, uh, but with how the market was going, I think we really could have gone 319. But I really convinced them that we got to go 299. Now we're above what the comps are out there. The people that are out there seeing it, they would yeah. say, hey, here's one for three, three, 319. Here's one for 299. These guys really don't know what's going on. I'm going to get a great deal and I'm just going to push it a little ahead of that. But what you do is you created all this excitement on this 299 and people who had lost many times before are saying, you know what? I'm going to get this one. This is worth more to me. All of a sudden that, that uh, and that it was, it was $399, um, all of a sudden that $399 turns into $480,000 uh, on the sale and you get 30, 30 some offers uh, on that. And, and, the, and the case was, is that this person had lost, had lost 15 times before that, 15. Jeez. They lost 15 times they said, we're not going to lose. And so all of those things I talked about are, appraisal guarantees and cash and no inspections and all that all that came into play plus i'll give you eighty thousand more uh than you asked for and i think that that was the, the really interesting thing with sellers trying to get them to um i say that you know the the comps are kind of where the market is but it's what a buyer's willing to pay and what a seller's uh willing to take and when you when you put those two together you just what you have to do is you have to push the people that you know are going to go higher by the other people that aren't. But these people, they have no idea what these people, this person doesn't know what these people are doing. And so they have to kind of outguess them and they pay more for it. And that's how it, that's how you win. But if you don't let these guys play, because you priced it too high in the beginning, you're never going to get this guy to go this high. So you have to let the other people play. And it's not like it's craziness, but it's just being smart and based your list price on what the comps are. And then the market will determine where your sale price is. So in the last 30 years, have you seen something like this before? And also through this last year, are these skills and these negotiation um, pieces that you've learned and all the other realtors have to deal with, do you think it'll help the industry in the future? Yeah, I think it's it's like any market, we have to adapt all the time and you have to see what's changing. I mean, I do that with my marketing all the time. I'm always changing and adapting to what's out there. And, uh, you know, I mean, social media, I think has done that to us. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it all helps and it all kind of plays in. It's, it's funny because you start seeing some comparisons from long ago that you can kind of bring back. I mean, one of the things that we don't get now is to talk. People don't talk anymore. You know, it's all texting and, and Facebooking. And once you start, not Facebooking, but emailing, once you start talking again, I mean, it's a it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing now, again, because no one does it. And there's so much information that you can get. And, and since people aren't doing it, they're not used to it. And so you can kind of take advantage of it. So from this past year, what lessons for um, clients and what lessons for agents you think they should take from it and how to use it in the future? Understand, understand the market you're in. 
and uh, and how to manipulate that that market to to you. I think that we always have. I mean, and it always has been, is that if your house is turnkey, you're always going to get the most money for it, always. Um, and I think from a, a a buyer standpoint, is to take and a seller standpoint, take yourself out of your side and put yourself on the other side. And so if, if I'm a buyer and I'm looking at it from a seller, what's that seller want? They want they want ease of use. They want it really quick. You know what I mean? They want it, they want to know that it, it's done. So contingencies. Contingencies are a big thing for people that they don't want because you can get out of the deal. So the less contingencies you can have, the better. So how do you make them feel the best? Maybe it's a, a closing date, maybe it's possession. I mean, sometimes there's people, um, we had a client uh, this year that took um, quite a bit less money to be able to um, have the convenience of not having to move out when they want. And so understanding that, but no one would have known that unless you asked <laughs> to be able to do that. And so I think it's really, um, I don't know, uh, understanding what the other person wants, I think is a, is a big thing. And, and then going through that way, you're going to be a lot better off in both ways. You're going to be better off because if you're doing from a seller standpoint, you're doing what's good for a buyer, you're going to get more buyers and more likely they're going to pay more money. So that means, you know, they don't like, they don't really love stains in their carpet when they move in. They don't really want to move in and then, oh, we got to keep our stuff outside because I have to have the carpet changed and I don't want to move it twice again. So if you can do that, it's all done for them. You know, that's that's going to go into them and they start justifying it. And they start saying, well, yeah, I know this other one was this and it was a thousand square feet smaller, but gosh, we don't have to do anything and we're going to be able to get in this time. So the more flexibility on both ends, it's going to be uh, better for you in the end. So after 2020, could you have ever predicted what was going to happen in 2021 or was it totally way different than you ever imagined. I didn't think it would continue uh, the way it did and actually even go more. But I think the thing that I've seen and and what I think is the biggest factor in all of this is the inventory and the lack thereof. So I think some people are afraid to get into the market and uh, the ones that do, I mean, there's people that always need houses out there, you know, and they're just not, um, and they're not out there to be able to get, so inventory they're here think, they're here think, bring them bring that money to brazil there are lots of places here yeah i mean and that's fine and dandy I, I, a lot of people you know have to have to work unlike you i don't know what you do over there but uh um, on the beach <laughs> well, i see your shirts uh, are you ready to jump out there right now looks like it. it's a beautiful day but yeah. hey it's good you're, you're there so we can live through you i just i have to deal with inventory so yeah, I think next week we'll go into kind of what we think is going to happen in, in 2022. But as we kind of talk about, it's hard to predict this stuff. And as an agent and as people buying and selling homes, you just got to adapt, huh? Find good people who, who know what the heck they're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, a, an agent, now obviously I know I'm an agent, but it's really important to have an agent on your side. And everyone's like, oh, I'm going to try to save the money on an agent. And, and it's worth it's it's worth every penny of it. I'm telling you, when I negotiate my own deals, like for me, I have another agent do it for me. I mean, and they got to get paid. And so it's like, I mean, that's a realtor saying it. 
because I'll tell you, you don't do what's best for yourself. You don't, and you um, it usually doesn't. It usually doesn't work out. So, uh, as we wrap this up, what's been uh, your favorite moments from uh, this past year of, of podcasting? This is year two of podcasting, correct? Gosh, is it already? Yeah. I, I was just talking to someone about the radio show, and that was 11 years. I remember 11 years of Saturdays. That's just, uh, that's crazy. I mean, live every Saturday. Um, it goes pretty fast. Uh, favorite moments of 2021. I mean, I have to, I give Andy a hard time all the time, but just seeing him do stuff, I just, I, I'm always amazed uh, at what he does and, uh, and how he does it. But yet, you think he's kind of just crazy, but he definitely knows what he's talking about. And, uh, and what he's doing. So uh, that was kind of fun. Uh, that whole little um, lately where we helped that one, where one people get that money. I heard they've had almost $40,000 now. Uh, yeah. That family. What was that back pocket? Yeah. yeah. Those young kids from St. Thomas. It's pretty cool um, watching uh, young kids do that. Um, it's very pleased to watch you. I know you're Mr. Podcaster yourself and it's a different, it's a different type of podcast, but to be able to come on here with me and Andy and uh, and control us and kind of keep us going has been uh, uh, very good. And plus, uh, most people don't know you can't you can't spend more than how many days in the U.S. Uh, three hundred and thirty days outside of the U.S. Yeah, that's for for tax reasons. So you only get to spend thirty five days here, so I get to see you at least on camera once a week. So that's pretty cool, and. Um, I don't know. I think the podcast too is I, I kind of like uh, the different graphics and stuff to be able to go with and people can watch it on YouTube and uh, they can just listen to it as well. I think sometimes maybe listening to it might be a little hard that pushes them uh, to the to the YouTube thing. But I, I think it's better. I think it's better this way to be able to show people like those that article we just went over and they can go find it and check it out. So. Yeah, so definitely. Um making the switch to StreamYard was really cool. I think StreamYard is way more personal and you get to see things. And I think it's a great uh, audio and visual experience for, for the listeners. My favorite stuff was um, like the game times and the, the flipping the homes and all that kind of stuff was really um, interesting to see your guys's point of view. And, and um, yeah, I liked it. I like Greg commenting all the time. He was one of our top commenters, Mr. Greg. And uh, yeah, Andy, Andy does bring some energy that is very fun to have on a Thursday. You guys balance each other out really nice. So hopefully we get him on for the new year this next week. But I think today was good. Yeah. Awesome. I don't think, he, I I don't think he's coming today. Uh, if he pops in at the last five minutes, that'd be yeah, funny. Exactly. But um, hey, if you can leave us uh, reviews where you listen, um, preferably the iTunes where you can leave a review. Um, leave a review on our Facebook page. Each uh, week we post three digestible clips for quicker content. You know, give us the likes, the thumbs up. That helps out a lot. And uh, send in your questions and have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. 
Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.